Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Sports Stuff. I'm Nani the Fan. I'm your host, Wim Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors come very close, but ultimately lose by a score of 111 to 110 against the Dallas Mavericks on the road. Very eventful game here, um, I have to say. Um, you know, lots to get to. Um, first and foremost, sending the best wishes to Pascal Siakam. He uh, slipped on a wet spot at the end of the third quarter there and left the game with a right groin strain. Uh, we'll see what the official diagnosis is, um, but he did not come back to the game. He did stay down. He was able to walk off on his own power. Um, obviously, that is more than anything else, the biggest thing to come from this game. Um, he has been the Raptors' best player. He was pretty good in his role tonight. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, just we'll see what the updates are there. Uh, but, you know, at, th- at that point in the game, uh, the Raptors were down double digits. The Mavs had taken a substantial lead in the third quarter. Raptors went into their typical scoring drought. Start of the third, Mavericks able to open up a 15-16 point lead. Luka was hitting. I mean, man, <laughs> you just got to tip your cap. Luka is such a good player. It's it's absurd. It's it's silly how good he is. Um, some of the shots that he was hitting tonight, and of course, you know, he finishes with a 35.8 rebound, six assist game. That's probably even below his averages. Uh, and this is with all the Raptors' best defenders taking turns checking him. Like, you just got to tip your hat to greatness there. Um, and it was looking bad, but the Raptors were able to make a comeback. They made uh, a huge push in the fourth quarter. It was sustained. There was a couple of plays here or there where the Mavericks were able to get loose, and, you know, the Raptors weren't able to shut off the taps entirely against a team like that. But at the same time, um, you know, a lot of great effort shown by the team, a lot of heart shown by the team, great contributions off the bench. Chris Boucher, Precious Achua, those two guys in particular, but I thought Otto Porter came in and gave them some pretty good minutes as well, showing you what he could do for this team, especially once he gets uh, more reps under, uh, you know, this team and this coaching staff. And, you know, they came just a couple of plays short. Like, literally, they were one point short in this game. OG hits a three with the Raptors down four. The Mavericks uh, smartly sagged off of everyone. Uh, and gave OG that three, and he made it to to, to cut it to only a one-point loss. But still, you know, it's an interesting game. And uh, to be honest, I think the biggest thing is, are you frustrated after this result? And of course, I am a little frustrated because, you know, ultimately you want the Raptors to win every game. It was a very competitive game, very good atmosphere there in Dallas. Uh, They were really getting into it. And honestly, you got a really good effort here tonight from Dallas. But at the same time, I just think that... um, I think this, these games are really good for the Raptors. You know, putting aside the injuries and all that stuff, obviously you, you really, really hope everything's okay for Pascal and with Scotty too. Scotty uh, twisted his ankle, I think, first quarter. I'm not totally sure. The replay didn't really show definitively what happened there, but he did come out of the game very briefly, then came back in the game, ended up playing 38 minutes, so I think he's fine. Uh, but still, um, these these games are very good for the Raptors. Very, very good. Um, you're playing a very, very tough opponent, a team that's gone to the Western Conference Finals last year. Um, you know, they're a very experienced group. They know how to play together. Luca obviously is like probably the trickiest player to guard in the entire NBA. Um, they have pretty smart veteran players who play physical, who play tough, who move the ball well. Uh, and you know, you know, that was hard for the Raptors to cope with. And at the same time, they played it in a way that didn't allow the Raptors to play to their strengths. You know, they didn't, uh, allow the Raptors to get out in the fast break. They sent everyone back. They didn't, um, you know, they didn't try to overcomplicate things defensively. They switched a lot. They shrunk the paint. They gave up some threes. But for the most part, the Mavs played really smart on that end as well. And they forced the Raptors to execute time after time. 
in the half court while also forcing the Raptors to be as precise as possible against Luka because the Raptors needed to trap Luka. Uh, and yeah, you know, I, I think it's a good test. I think these are the kind of games that really show you where the strengths and weaknesses of the team are. And that's the most important thing is, look, as much as, you know, uh, you want all the results, I think at the same time, you want anything else, you want to know where to improve. Because look, when you beat the Spurs by 40 points, that doesn't tell you anything. When you beat uh, the Hawks by 30 or 20 points, that doesn't tell you anything. You know, you can get excited, and we sure got excited for this past week and seeing what the Raptors did and all the big ball lineups and all this other stuff. But ultimately, these are the kind of games that really show you where you need to improve. So the, the two things. Number one, um, the physicality in this game, I'd say the advantage went heavily in the, in the Mavericks' favor. Now, I'd say the whistle went in the Mavericks' favor in the first half, and then the whistle went the Raptors' favor in the second half. But to be honest, having watched a lot of Tony Brothers games, this is not, not an uncommon pattern. Let's just say that, okay? Uh, however... The, the whistle also kind of goes your way when you're the aggressor. That's the part where I can't blame the officials or, you know, any, I think any ref will tell you that, right? And who was hitting first in the, you know, in this game? It was Dallas. Whether it was Dwight Powell in the starting group, and Dwight Powell played a really good game. Don't look at the box score. Uh, he real His physicality in this game, his screening, the way he was able to pin multiple defenders, you know, get on the offensive glass and, and, and win loose balls. And, and he just played great. But most importantly, he brought a level of physicality that a guy who's six foot eight at center shouldn't really bring to your team. However, he really did deliver that for Dallas. And even guys like uh, Josh Green coming off the bench, Christian Wood coming off the bench, these guys bodied the Raptors a lot near the basket. And so, you know, they hit first. And then the second half, the Raptors were the aggressors. They played a lot more physical. They were able to get on the glass. They were able to win the possession battle. 18 offensive rebounds for the Raptors to six for Dallas. Uh, and, you know, they, you know, that's the part where the Raptors really need to be consistent all game, especially without a guy like Fred on the floor. You have all sorts of size all in every single position on the floor. There's no excuse for the Raptors to not play with physicality in that sense. Right. At least I get it. If you got a small backcourt, you know, okay, I get it. You know, there's probably some size mismatches. Dallas is a quite a big team, right? You know, you don't think of Dallas as being one of these Vision Six Nine teams, but they kind of are, right? Who's the smallest player in Dallas's rotation? Is is it Spencer Dinwiddie at six foot six? Is it uh, you know Josh Green who's you know six foot five but kind of built like a linebacker, so he, he's quite strong as well. They don't play short guys. Tim Hardaway Jr. That's pretty much the only guy, right? So the Raptors were able to hunt him a little bit. Uh, and so Dallas just said, okay, fine. We just don't have to play them. It's not a big deal. Where, whereas I think the Raptors, like the physicality just wasn't there in the first half. They got a lot better in the second half though. And, and so you got to give them credit on that front, but you need to see that from the start. And then the other problem is the scoring drought. The start of the third quarter, the Raptors really couldn't get anything done. It was like a 14 to two run. They were turning the ball over a ton. This game was a very uncharacteristic game. Listen, if you want to play without the point guard and you don't play a Fred and you barely play Delano, who really isn't a point guard anyway, um, you can't have 19 turnovers. One thing the Raptors did really well in the other games against Atlanta and San Antonio is they took care of the ball. Even though they didn't have a point guard on the floor, they took care of the ball. They had efficient possessions. Now, it's a very different level in terms of class. Uh, first off, there's no Luka, and there's also the rest of Dallas's defensive crew is actually quite good, um, especially what they show in the night. So, you know, they pose a lot more problems for you, but uh, the Raptors didn't take care of the ball, had 19 turnovers. That has to be a season high for them. And so, yeah, I mean, yes, you win extra possessions in the sense that you got a bunch of offensive rebounds. Uh, but, you know, that's where the Raptors need to take better control of the ball. I mean, like you had just from your starting lineup alone, two from Pascal, two from Christian Coloco, four from OG, five from Scotty, two from Gary. 
You know, when's Gary even dribbling the ball that much to turn the ball over twice, right? So you just needed to be more secure on that front. And especially uh, in that third quarter, you need to come out and execute a little bit stronger. Uh, they didn't get the ball enough to Pascal, who, you know, should be the one snapping. Anytime the Raptors don't score two times in a row, they need to get the next possession of Pascal and clear out, let him attack. He gets you good shots each time down. Even if you don't make the threes, like the Raptors didn't hit them early on, he will eventually get the advantage and you will have good chances to break your scoring drought. And so um, I think uh, just the execution wasn't strong in that sense. Gary was kind of off all night, uh, you know, played 36 minutes. You didn't feel his impact at all in this game. Uh, it's really tough because you really needed him to to do so. And I think for Gary, he just maybe struggled a little bit shooting over length. Um, I don't know if he could have seen if just he didn't see the rim well, but he didn't really hit on some of the open threes he had early in the game. And then later on when he was trying to press and, and create in the mid-range, stuff that he usually does, he couldn't deliver. And so it became one of those games where it's the Mavericks could really lock in on Pascal. And to be honest, Pascal played decently, but probably could have played a little bit better. I think they could have gotten the ball to him more. Uh, and, you know, when he got to the basket, he did a lot of kicking out, which is the right move most of the time. But if the rest of your teammates aren't really hitting threes like that, you do want to see Pascal live in the paint a little bit, draw a couple of fouls, and try to score the basket. To be honest, there's nothing really to nitpick about Pascal. It's just that you could see the difference in his level currently versus a guy like Luca. And, of course, that's an absurd comparison because Luca is so good. But, you know, then again, when you talk about the top five, you know, this is the kind of level of difference that you kind of get to. Now, who knows? Pascal could have come back in, a, in the fourth quarter and a great performance and, and, and matched Luca. But at the same time, there was a clear gulf between the two of those guys, right? So um, I think one of the ways Pascal could have done better was just to play a little more around the basket. I think the Mavericks are playing super physical, and that's okay. But, you know, Pascal has shown a lot this season where he's able to use the fakes, slow down a little bit near the basket, draw the foul, get to the free throw line, score at the basket. He had a couple of nice plays, there's no doubt. But, you know, you would have liked to see a little bit more of that. But, I mean, ultimately, look, if the rest of the team um, – it was also kind of up and down. The only guy who was consistently good th- th- uh, throughout the entire game was OG. Uh, his his old Indiana coach, Tom Crean, was uh, in the crowd. You know, They took a picture together, and OG played great in front of his old coach. 27 points, 7 rebounds, and assists, 5 steals. Only thing I would say about OG, um, on the last possession there where the Raptors were up or down 3, and the Mavericks had about 5 seconds left on the shot clock, Luka went into his move, isoed against OG, and OG went for the steal attempt, and Luka... Uh, was smart about it. He's, he protected the dribble, and so when OG swiped, that became a foul rather than a steal. And so that sent Luca to the free throw line. Luca split the pair of free throws. Raptor got the rebound. They got the inbound play. OG dunked it for a quick dunk. So that's, that's fine. A quick two there is okay, but she got another timeout coming. But the Raptors took way too long to foul upon the inbound. Of course, you want to trap and try to play for the gamble there. Uh, especially when you know you are uh, a potentially giving the Mavericks a chance to go back up four, but they took way too long. And I thought OG made another mistake there, where he had Dorian Finney-Smith trapped along the sideline and half court. And you know, if he had him fully trapped, I, I get sort of trying to playing him straight up and pressuring him. But to be honest, he didn't, and he needed to realize that and foul him. He was probably Dallas's worst free throw shooter on the floor at that moment. And plus, there was like probably seven or eight seconds left where you can get a much better opportunity to score. Instead, the ball swings around. It goes over to Dinwiddie, I believe. He makes both free throws. And so at that point, it's basically moot. Yes, the Raptors are able to call timeout and drop a play. And OG was able to knock down an open three. But it doesn't matter when you're down four, right? So there were two instances there where you just want to see him make the right decision defensively. But at the same time, I, I don't fault him for the Luka play. Uh, 
Um, he's trying to make a play in that scenario, but he ultimately does bail them out. If the Raptors play the defense straight up there and force the the, the miss, um, you know, there's a chance for the Raptors to play with two timeouts only down three. But at the same time, I get it, right? Luca has been torching everybody. So, you know, you don't try to swipe in there or you don't throw off his rhythm in some way. He probably will get a bucket, even against OG, who's playing great defense right now. Uh, you know, Luca's just that special, right? So I get it. But that other mistake, that the Dorian Finney Smith play, that's a mistake. Um, but OG played really well, and you got to give him his props. And then I think the, the thing that was interesting too was just like Scotty had a really up and down game. Um, he was so quiet for the first three quarters. He had a three, a pull up three late shot clock with like under five seconds left in the uh, third quarter. That was his first basket of the game. And you think about it in this game, the Raptors are struggling for offense. They got no Fred out there. You have, uh, you know, you have Pascal out at that point. Finally, he takes a shot and he makes it. Yeah, at that point, it wasn't even like, oh, you know, he was being aggressive, but he was missing some shots. He was 0 for 3 from the field. There were, in the entire first half, he didn't touch the paint once with the ball in his hand. And, you know, the first time he touched the ball in the, in the paint was, uh, in the third quarter, he flashed, made a good play, and then got into the middle, had an open push shot, and he missed it, right? But it, it was one of those scenarios where he just wasn't aggressive enough. And that's the thing, too, for the Raptors is a learning lesson. Scotty needs to be aggressive all game. All game. Uh, he needs to probably pick and choose the spots like everybody, right? Nobody has that kind of stamina to do it over and over and over again. And if you do, you're probably a special guy like Luca. Um, but, like, you know, you got to know when to pick your spots. And the Raptors needed Scotty so badly to take over, especially after Pascal went out. And that's exactly what happened. So that's why you got to give him his credit is that in the fourth quarter, Scotty Barnes was sensational. He was making so many great passes, uh, drove the ball, you know, um, got to the foul line, was active. You know, even defensively, he was all right. Uh, I would say probably not his best game defensively, but again, like what are you supposed to do against a guy like Luca? Uh, but yeah. You know, I, I thought fourth quarter the response was so strong, and even though the overall game is not good, five turnovers, four of twelve shooting is not great. One of six from three is not great. Only two free throw attempts for him is not great. But that fourth quarter was very promising, and I think for the coaching staff, that's where you look at the result of this game and you show Scotty, this is what you got to do. The fourth quarter approach, you got to take that earlier in the game. Got to take that earlier in the game, and we wouldn't be in this position in the first place, right? So, you know, I think that's there's an up and down element to his game. To be honest, you know, we have seen this pattern from Scotty where he's quiet in the first half and then uh, takes over uh, later in the game. The the thing is, when you are expected to be that guy, when you have Fred sitting on the sideline because he got a bad back. And people are saying, well, you know, Fred is that, you know, the, the Raptors might be better without Fred on the floor. I saw them beat the, the Spurs by 40. You know, that that might be evidence that uh, that Fred is not needed on this team. And you, you have, you know, and, and listen to me, I'm like, look, the way if Scotty's going to play point like that consistently, you know, I do want to see him play more point. And I do want to see him, um, uh, uh, you know, have control of the team. You give him control of the team, you got to let him do something, right? There's got to be expectations that comes with this. So the first three quarters, you know, it was like an F for him and then the last quarter he was an a so you know i think that's where you got to work with him to sort of find out why are you not aggressive in the early parts of the game and why were you able to turn it on here what did you see is it a a matter of sort of seeing how the game flows and where the advantages present themselves and attacking those or is it more of a case where 
you know, you don't feel comfortable taking over. You want to defer to some of the other guys who are more veteran on the team. What is it? But ultimately, they need to figure that out because if you got a consistently aggressive Scotty in that fourth quarter, he played as well. He didn't play as well as anybody else, but he played as well as anybody outside of Luca in that fourth quarter. You know, so you just want to see more of that more consistently. And listen, that's that's this is the second year from him. When and this is the huge expectations. You play him thirty eight minutes. You start him. You, you know, your, your point guard's out. You make him the point guard. Those are big expectations. So you got to live up to those. This is not like the rookie year where it's like, oh, everything is, is a bonus and everything feels amazing. No, no, no. I, you you want to see it for the whole game now. You know, if, if trust me, if Pascal played like this, if Fred played like this, where you saw the inconsistency for three quarters and then you you finally see something in the fourth, there would be criticism. And of course, those guys are more veteran. But you know what? You know, I think people want to put Scotty in that level. He's got to put himself on that level, take that responsibility. Um, but at least it was nice to see him respond in the fourth quarter. Again, he's genuinely really, really impressive. Some really nice passes. Uh, probably the best one of the night for him was like a cross court feed to Otto Porter Jr., where Scotty was posted up on, you know, left side of the floor, and he whipped it opposite court. Uh, he's done that quite a few times this season. Uh, and it's good that he has more shooters to play with now coming off the bench. Um, those shooters being Chris Boucher and Otto Porter Jr. So for, for Chris, first off, he played uh, fantastic the whole game. Um, I thought his energy was consistently high, consistently strong, got on the offensive glass. Um, the only thing that really hurt him was he got limited by foul trouble in the first half, picked up three fouls. Um, a little bit was, was sort of Christian Wood. But um, to be honest, it's just like, you know, he uh, – he doesn't really back down from those games, right? And the aggressiveness was good. Even contested threes were like, what's his name? Um, you know, uh, Maxi Kleba uh, closes out hard on him in the corner. Very, very good contest. No foul, but also a really good uh, contest to try to impair his vision and potentially change the shot. Chris Boucher was able to knock that down. He was able to get to the mid-range and score. He was able to drive off baskets and score. He took a charge as part of a great uh, stretch in the fourth quarter where the Raptors forced three straight offensive fouls out of the Mavericks. That was great. And to be honest, one of the big swing factors in this game was the bench. First half, the Mavericks bench completely outplayed the Raptors bench. And why is that? Well, a couple of things. Number one, the Raptors physicality just wasn't there, right? Whether it was Christian Coloco, whether it was Precious, whether it was Chris, those are the guys you depend on for your solidity on in the interior. And so to see JaVale McGee take it strong inside, Christian Wood take a strong inside, Josh Green take a strong inside, that can't happen. That, that can't happen. So that is on them, right? But also, at the same time, it's on Nick because of the lineup he played at the start of the second quarter there. When you have no Fred on the game, because obviously he continues to sit out with the injury, and you have Pascal playing the entire first quarter, so you know that Pascal is not going to play at the start of the second quarter because you need to give him a breather, who are you going to have on the floor to create offense for you, right? It was Gary, Delano, uh, who else was it? Precious, Boucher, and Coloco. Like, that cannot be a lineup that plays consistently. Because at best, what you're hoping for is that you string together a ton of defensive stops and you get out on the fast break. But guess what? There's not a single shot creator there. If you get into one half-course scenario, what are you really going to do? Gary's going to dribble into a mid-range ISO and, and maybe pull up. And by the way, the Mavericks had no small guys out there today outside of Tim Hardaway Jr., and they did a good job of hiding him. So you're probably not going to get great shots out of Gary because he's more of a play finisher than a play creator, right? A lot of people have talked about, let's put Gary on the bench. Let's see what happens. Put Gary on the bench. You make him try to score. It's a lot of him trying to shoot. Today, he was off. Obviously, he'll have nights where he's on. But tonight, he couldn't really carry it. Then who was it supposed to be? Delano? Delano doesn't create against half court. That's been the big issue. I think Nick is, wants to show faith and, and try to give one of his point guards some run 
But at the same time, Delano has not... You can count on one hand the, the number of times Delano has tried to attack uh, in the half court this season. And he's got in a lot of games as a backup point guard. And finally, when he decided to take a couple of chances to tag in the, in the second quarter, he had a play where he came off a pick and roll, had a floater available to him, airballed the floater. Okay. Next play down, defensively, he got JaVale McGee on the three-point line. Delano gets too tight, doesn't cut off the angle. JaVale McGee drives around him for an and one. JaVale McGee is driving around you from the three-point line for an and one. Horrible defensive play. And then the next trip down, Delano works a pick and roll with Christian Coloco, gets into the middle of the floor. Uh, the Mavericks uh, bait him into the making the pass into the middle to Coloco. They break up the pass. Josh Green goes the other way for a dunk. Nick Nurse has a call timeout. Delano doesn't see the game again. Four minutes. But guess what? In those four minutes, minus seven. It looks really big to be a minus seven in a four-minute stint when you lose the game by one. That is not being ready for the game. That's not being ready for the moment. I would say that for Nick, he shouldn't have played that lineup. Gary and Delano as your guards with no scoring forwards out there is not good enough for you. Maybe it was Otto instead of uh, Precious. But in any case, there's just not enough offense there. There's like one kind of ball handler in Gary, one kind of playmaker in Delano, and that's it. Like that's not enough to to keep the game afloat. They needed to adjust the rotation to that Scotty played in that spot. Uh, Or... I don't even know. You, you extend Pascal two minutes or something, but you just cannot do that. That lineup cannot be on the floor for that that stretch. That's when the Raptors really first got into the hole. They were able to climb back out of it, but still, they, they could have taken a lead into the half. Instead, they had to climb out of that hole instead. And for Delano, most importantly, you can't make those plays. Yeah, I get it. Like, the, the floater on the air ball, on, on the push shot, that's fine. Who hasn't really airballed a shot, right? Certainly, I've done that a hundred times in my life. But, like, when JaVale McGee driving at you from the three-point line, you got to be able to cut him off. You got the quickness advantage, and it's not like he's so small he can't contest. You can contest. You got to have it hands up straight the whole time, not uh, foul him at the last second and give up the end one. And listen, if you got to foul him, okay, I get it. JaVale's actually quite athletic, and he's a he's a seven-footer. He t- does have a size advantage on you. Foul him so he can't get the shot off. You can't do a halfway thing and give up an and one. And the next possession down, that's the biggest mistake because that was a read for Delano where he either had to swing it back out because the defense completely collapsed and, you know, he didn't have an advantage there, or he has to take it all the way to the basket uh, instead of trying to force feed a pass. Because, listen, not, it's not just about him getting picked off on that play and the Mavericks going the other way for a dunk. It's also about, okay, even if you did feed that pass through the middle to Coloco, was Coloco going to finish a, a, a basket in traffic from the middle of the paint? No, that's not his game right now. So what was the upside of that play? So all around, just a poor decision from the coaching staff and also just poor delivery from the players on the court in the second unit there. Now, however, this is where you got to give Nick his credit, made the adjustment in the fourth quarter. Didn't play pre- didn't play Delano, went with Scotty went in that in that spot instead. And of course, Scotty played very, very more differently, was much more rejuvenated, but the offense flowed much better. They made a whole bunch of better plays. And most importantly for the Raptors, as good as they can play offensively, they need to play solid defensively. And they actually made a bunch of big plays defensively in the fourth quarter, including taking the three straight charges or three straight uh, offensive fouls, including Boucher's charge, which the Mavericks reviewed. And he was, by the way, in position on that play. Uh, and guys just made good plays. You know, I thought Otto was in there, disruptive, two steals, uh, two threes in 21 minutes off the bench. I loved his performance. Didn't take anything off the floor for the Raptors, but can knock down a three and can obviously 
uh, execute the defensive scheme. The only thing I'd like to see from him be a little bit more aggressive with the threes. I know he can be a selective, and that's probably going to increase his uh, three-point percentage. But for this this group, they're going to need him to fire very freely from three. Um, you know, I don't know if he will if he ha- I haven't watched enough auto porter in my life to to understand if he has that pump fake sidestep three the way that Gary does. But I think I'd like to see that out of him. But I, I want to when the ball touches his hand to the three point line, I want him to shoot it. He's got a high release point. He's tall. I, I want to see more than three three point attempts because he's a very good shooter. But I like his per, uh, performance and even pressures. You know, I give him a lot of credit because first shift he was not doing well. He had a play where he completely forced it. This is also another play where when you lose by one point, you think back on all the little plays that shouldn't have happened, right? Like uh, one of those plays is pressures Achua grabbing a rebound. And it's 13 seconds left in the first quarter. And you have an opportunity there to hold for the last shot. But instead, Precious pushes. And it's like, you know what? I don't mind an aggressive push in that scenario if you have a clear opportunity for a layup or a dunk. But if it's you're pushing against one on three, you drive into the middle of the floor, you get into a crowd, you turn the ball over. Now the Mavericks go the other way and they dunk the ball. That's inexcusable. When you have the sh- when you have the ball and the shot clock is turned off at the end of the quarter, you need to get the last shot or you need to get a layup or a dunk. Period. Per- There's nothing else about that. Period. And not only did he not finish the play, but he intentionally drove into traffic. So that's a lack of awareness right there. And that was a big mistake in the early in the game. There's a couple other defensive miscues from Precious. However, you got to give him credit because Nick stuck with Precious, played him a lot in the second half, and he was very good. Very aggressive um, on the offensive glass. There was a play where he single-handedly held off like three Mavericks, got the rebound, got in for the uh, offensive uh, putback, and then uh, he got fouled, got to the free-throw line in the last minute, knocked down both to make it a one-possession game. That was great to see. On a couple other plays where he was able to patiently bring the ball up, flip it off to Scotty, get into the post. Scotty finds him with a high-low feed. Precious makes a quick move to spin, go up strong, bank it off the glass. So I thought Precious really responded better. And also he had the unenviable task of guarding uh, Luca. Didn't really affect him at all, but, you know, that's that's what happens when you're a great player. Um, but I thought Precious and Chris give you a good shift off the bench. Otto give you a good shift. Thad Young came into this game because of foul trouble to Christian Coloco. Four minutes, didn't really do much. Put him in a two fouls, had a turnover. One of those was a charge. Um, Coloco, I honestly thought Coloco impacted a lot of shots in early in the game in his first shift. And I was like, I'm pretty happy with what he's doing. But, uh, then as the game went on, he just kept picking up fouls and some of those were not smart fouls. And ultimately 12 minutes minus 12 for him in the spot start. Yeah, that was tough. And what I kept saying in the show today, when we were trying to preview this game was that if you put Coloco out there, Luca's going to target him on switches and then bait the rookie into fouls, and that's exactly what happened. I'm, I i don't know if all of Coloco's fouls were because of Luca, but, you know, yeah, four fouls in 12 minutes. He's got to work on it. He's really got to work on it. But there is a game-changing defensive element that he brings to the game, and I do like it. Like, it, it there was moments of that in the first uh, quarter. I thought the Raptors actually played the first quarter really well. Pascal was making all the right passes, and, you know, if Gary and, and, and Scotty made some open threes, you know, if this game would have sort of um, been tight at the start, the Mavericks would have been on the on the back foot. But listen, these are the games, though, that, that you really need to take away lessons from. And the lessons here are, number one, figure out your bench rotation, right? You cannot have Gary and Delano as your, as your bench guys. That's a lesson for the coaching staff, right? Which obviously they learned in the fourth quarter there by not repeating that mistake. Uh, you, for Delano, you need to come in the game and be more prepared. Like the, the, the four minutes he played tonight were all, were all just bad minutes, and it put the team in a hole. 
the team can't trust you to do that, right? As the backup point guard, you got to keep things steady. I'm not asking for you to extend the lead, but hold the lead, right? Don't bleed points. Don't 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 be bad defensively, right? You know, uh, don't force plays offensively, right? I, I think the other lesson here for Scotty is can't wait too long to get into the game because once Scotty's in the game, you can see how much it changed the game, right? That fourth quarter, that was half Scotty, half. Chris Boucher, I would say, right? Um, so, you know, you can't wait till the fourth to, to make that push, though. You need to do that a little bit earlier. If that happened a little bit earlier, yeah, again, the Raptors could have been playing with um, from a position of strength rather than a position of weakness. Um, I think, to be honest, the Raptors' defensive rotations, yeah, I think, honestly, guys got open threes, and you would always say that that's, like, uh, that's not good execution. However, I can kind of live with the rest of the Mavericks shooting 9 of 28 from three, if you can force a ball to Luca's hands. And by the way, uh, the Raptors did everything against Luca tonight. Uh, this is a tweet from Mike Prada, a uh, great Twitter account. Obviously, everyone knows Mike Prada. He's been on a, writing about the league for a long time. Got a new book coming out too. Uh, but really good tactician. And this is what he wrote about this game. Luca is on another level this season. Raptors tried everything tonight and nothing worked. Drop, level, peel switching, nexting, trapping on the side, bit of normal switching, trapping high, trapping isos, trapping with exaggerated nail hop, praying, didn't matter. And literally, it didn't matter. There was a play where he faked out uh, pressures like four times. Ultimately, Precious still was able to stay in position, not foul. Force Luka to shoot over the top. Luka falling down, shoots a high-arcing jumper from the elbow, and, it's, and it splashes in. And this is after he saw OG one-on-one, right? So, I don't know. There's not too much you can do with him. So, you got to respect him for that. But, uh, yeah, I mean... You know that was uh, that was a great display from them. But honestly, I think defensively the Raptors actually showed a, a, some pretty good things, and they did force them averaging the eighteen turnovers. Right, so there's some positives there. But offensively, they got in that drought. You got to prevent that, um, and and mostly just by taking better shots. And then, yeah, you know, you got to give them credit for the comeback. So it's it's not it's not all bad. It's not all good. Um, but to be honest, I'm happy that they played this game. So long as Pascal's not out for too long. And, and really, you got to be real careful with Pascal. He had the groin injury last in 2019. He missed 11 games at that point. So we'll see. Um, but obviously, Pascal's off to such a great start. You just don't want to see anything interrupt that. So and we're going to wrap up the show. I'm going to go with the three stars. For me, first star is OJ Anobi. I know he made those two mistakes at the end there, but come on. 27.7 rebounds and assists, five steals. Third straight game with five or more steals. Um, not was knocking down threes. You know, there's still a couple plays where he drives into turnovers. But again, like, if that's the biggest issue, they can correct that. They really can correct that. Uh, drove into the mid range for for a pull up jumper, which he actually knocked down. I think the biggest thing for OG is just finding his balance and then being able to put arc on the shot because a lot of his like step backs are really flat and they always hit front rim. Um, but yeah, I mean, really good game all around. There's a play where he stole the ball from at, at half court where you couldn't even see him in the frame of the camera shot. And the, the Raptors were pressuring the inbounds. So the Mavericks wanted to skip ahead. Instead of the inbound into the nearest two guards, they wanted to inbound at the half court where they had two players. They threw the ball to half court. OG burst through, split both defenders for that steal, then carried his like lightning fast momentum and was instantly at the basket for a layup. It was, yeah, I mean, he, he could be a very scary defender. But again, that doesn't matter against Luka, though. Uh, but OG's your first star. Second star for me is going to go to Chris Boucher. 17 points, 9 rebounds, and assist, a block. Uh, 30 minutes off the bench. Played really well. He hit his head as well in the fourth quarter there. He continued to play. Hopefully, he's okay there. The physicality in this game was very strong. But again, like this is where you got to think ahead to the playoffs. Physicality in a lot of games is going to be really strong. you got to be able to know how to play through that. Play through that without fouling. Play through that while you're also being the aggressor. 
it's a real skill. It takes a lot of experience. It's something that Christian Colos is probably going to take three or four years to learn. And when he eventually learns it, he'll be very, very good defensively. Right now, he's giving you a lot of plays defensively, but he's also committing a lot of fouls. And so he's giving it back. And then your third star, um, I mean, I'll probably give it to Pascal, I guess. 18, 7, and 6. Got in the offensive glass. Scored in the paint. You know, the Mavericks sent everybody at him. He made the right passes. Uh, and, you know, it's just, it's a little tough. I think the scoring element is there's no, like, he wasn't able to score too explosively in the way Luca could kind of come in for a step back three and mid-range three or mid-range two and get to the basket and, and fire it out for three, you know, whatever, right? Luca might be the best offensive player in the league. I'm not even kidding. But, um, yeah, I thought Pascal still did well. And, again, just really hoping he's okay. So and in order for the Gerald Henderson Award, uh, you know, to wrap up the show here, I'm going to give it to Dwight Powell. Uh, again, the box score doesn't really stand out. Nine points, two rebounds, two assists. But, man, his physicality was really game-changing in this one. A lot of big screens, a lot of big plays. And, um, honestly, I'm a little biased, too, because he always shows up for Canada, you know. So, I think more than anything else, you just want to see this level of physicality brought to the next performance that Canada's in, in an international context. But, yeah, he played really well. And, um, yeah, you wouldn't necessarily know about a box score, but he really did have a good impact on this game. But honestly, a lot of Mavericks uh, supporting guys stepped up. So that does it for the podcast. Thanks all for listening. Please continue to rate, review, subscribe to The Raptor Show. Um, by the way, look out on Saturday morning. There will be a new episode of The Banter Pod dropping. So listen to that. Myself and Alex Wong, uh, you know, kept it under four hours for once. So that's nice. But uh, yeah, you know, it's... It's a good performance uh, in the in the sense that they came back, but uh, you also got to take some tough lessons from this one, and hopefully you apply it in the next game uh, against the Bulls on Sunday. So thanks everyone for listening, and I'll I'll be back then. <laughs>